The Chicago Bears win over the Detroit Lions was their best overall performance of the season from start to finish. Extra emphasis on the finish there, something they weren't able to do against this same Detroit Lions team just a few weeks ago. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the Locked On Bears podcast on all of your favorite social media platforms or on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com/lockedonnfl and use our promo code lockedonnfl for a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we look back at the Bears' win over the Detroit Lions and how much of a step forward a win like this represented for the team. Being able to finish this game with the victory after putting themselves in the same position they were a few weeks ago against the Lions and blowing it. And the way that this team showed growth as a team at playing, as Matt Eberflus loves to say, complimentary football, and making big plays in big moments, bouncing back from the mistakes they did make in the game, and generally executing this formula for success that we're starting to see the team really be able to replicate week in and week out that's working for field, it's working with this defense, and everybody is playing together well as a team. And I want to look more big picture at what this team, what, what this win means for the team right now and with four games left on the regular season schedule. But it felt like such a familiar place in this game against the Lions, right? Defense playing really well, offense taking care of the ball and, and doing some fun things. And, you know, it's back and forth in the first half, third quarter into the fourth quarter. Bears take a lead, extend a lead and have a two possession lead in the fourth quarter. Should be smooth sailing to victory, but we were just in the same position with the same team against the same opponent, what, four weeks ago with the bye week or three week, three three weeks ago, like two games ago. The weak math gets hard there for me. But the Bears had a two possession lead in the fourth quarter against the same Lions team and they blew it. But this time around, they held on. This time around, they kept fighting. They kept their foot on the gas. They didn't let up. They didn't slow down. They didn't get too conservative and they were able to finish with a victory comfortably in hand, right? There wasn't even that feeling of like, oh boy, they almost blew that one. Whew. You know, at least they got it. Like the Vikings game kind of had that, right? The Vikings win was like, it took a late Justin Fields game winning field goal drive to really secure that victory for the team. In this one, the Bears never looked back once they took that lead in the second half. And it felt to me like such a, like a, a maturation, a, a, a real show and sign of growth from this Bears team that it feels like in previous games this season, so often they get conservative offensively. You know, they just kind of run the ball and punt and settle for field goals. Defensively, they soften up a little bit more in coverage and let the other team work their way down the field. And you start to see like mistakes 
in these moments start to cascade, right? Where, you know, maybe they get the ball, they go three and out. Defense needs a stop, but can't get the stop. So they give up points. Offense gets the ball back, goes three and out or has a penalty or some kind of thing. And, and it starts to become one mistake leads to more mistakes. And they can't always sort of stop the bleeding in that regard. But it felt like time and time again in this Bears-Lions game, it was not a flawless Bears performance, but when they would make mistakes or something would go wrong, it wouldn't end up leading to more trouble. Like they were able to overcome those types of issues on this team, whether it's, you know, a Justin Fields sack on a down and distance situation, like not a big deal. They can punt it and not have their offense completely fall apart. Or, you know, in the second quarter, when they go for it on fourth and one with the, they fake the tush push and toss it to DJ Moore and it's tackled for a loss. Like, yes, the team gives, gives up a touchdown on the subsequent drive, but it doesn't start unraveling, right? The team doesn't completely fall apart. They already had a 10, nothing lead. They were able to sort of rebound from that point, settle in a little bit more defensively, come back in the second half, adjust them, th- adjust some things and get ready to go. Happened over the course of the game where they did get, get into these situations where Justin Fields would miss a throw here, or there would be, a, there were only four penalties, but a penalty there. And it's like, this is the kind of stuff that could derail this team in previous games. And things start to really fall apart there, but no, this team bounced back. This team had an answer. This team was able to be able to like make plays when they absolutely needed one to, you know, like at the beginning of the fourth quarter there, or no late in the third quarter, as I'm getting my, my timeline correct here, you've got that play where uh, Justin Fields ends up getting, uh, throwing it behind the line of scrimmage to Kari Blasen game. And he's tackled for loss. They get like second and 13. He, he runs to the line of scrimmage for no gain. They get third and 13, incomplete pass to Cole Komet, so it's fourth and 13, right? And, like, that's a moment where the Bears end up punting there. They end up failing on a fourth down conversion there. They end up, you know, missing a long field goal there. But instead, you know, they go to the hard count and they get DJ Moore free on a deep shot on a play that they weren't even planning to snap the ball on that play, right? Like, they had answers in so many of these situations, and it just felt like the Bears were always able to bounce back a little bit more in this game and not let one mistake lead to the other. And and to be able to come into each of those spots and really make that big play in that big moment, to stay ahead of the sticks, to finish these drives with touchdowns, to get the big turnover defensively when they needed one. Like, it wasn't like everything was perfect, but it was always there when they needed it. And it felt like so, so often this season, you get, to that, you get to that fourth and one and you miss it, and it's like, oh, everything unravels from there. Or you get into that third and long situation, it's like, oh, everything unravels from there. Or the defense gives up one touchdown or gives a touchdown in the second quarter, and it's like, oh, here we go. Now everything's going to unravel from there. And they held firm, and they found a way to win and finish strong and have an overall like start to finish really just solid, consistent performance. And that was thanks to some great defensive play from some really key players, 17 tackles from Jaquan Brisker, plus offensively, Justin Fields in command, in control, doing what needed to be done without trying to do too much. Like that's what this Bears team has gotten really good at is like taking what's there when they need to, knowing that the big play will come. You don't have to try and force it all the time and being able to then capture it when it is there. And I want to go through what made this performance so great on both sides of the ball, what the formula was for a victory over the Detroit Lions next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast 
is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is the easiest way to get all of your favorites delivered right to your door, whether it's grocery delivery brought right to your house, or DoorDash can even get like Walgreens, Target type, you know, toiletries and stuff delivered right to your house, or your favorite meals that you can eat from the comfort of your own home while you're watching the Bears game, maybe a halftime snack, maybe a post-game meal, however you go about it, whatever you need, DoorDash is here to bring it right to you. And it's a great way to support local businesses and local restaurants in your area as well. You got to try out DoorDash for yourself. Right now, you're going to save some money if you use our promo code LOCKED23. You can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Subject to change, terms apply. Just don't forget that promo code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This was an all-around performance from the Chicago Bears and some really key standouts made this happen. And to me, it, it pulls together this formula for Bears success that sure, like when you, when you say it, I don't know that I say it sounds obvious, but it sounds simple, but it's been so much easier said than done or so much harder done than said this season that like, of course, when you get turnovers, three turnovers on the other team, two interceptions and a fumble, that's going to go a long way. When, when you don't turn the ball over yourself, again, really a big swing. And like, of course, yes, the team that wins the turnover battle is going to be successful. But like, that isn't something that's been a given for the Bears this season. These had to be takeaways for them, not giveaways to them. You know, J- Jalen Johnson making a great read in zone, splitting between two defenders and then dropping shallow to kind of bait Jared Goff into making that throw and making a big play there. I mean, guys have, are playing at a really high level right now. Tremaine Edmonds getting a, getting a pass at the very end there in, in the fourth quarter to really seal that one for this team. Jaquan Brisker forcing a fumble, and as I said, had 17 tackles. I, I went to Soldier Field for this game, and, you know, I watched I, I didn't notice 17 tackles. Like, he was around the ball, but it feels like he's always around the ball. But Rick, to get 17 tackles for him, like, what I did notice was – Montez Sweat getting to the quarterback over and over again. A lot of those quarterback hits, he was charted with four in the NFL game book, plus, you know, a, a big sack in there. And I think he had a, a batted pass at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Jervon Dexter getting in on there on a sack. I seeing him come through was great. Justin Jones getting some of that interior pressure up front and guys just flying to the ball, pass breakups across the board from this Bears secondary. Like this is an com- a comfortable, aggressive high-flying Bears defense right now. They shut down Amon Ross St. Brown for the most part in this game. Really not a huge factor in their offense with three catches for 21 yards. Jameer Gibbs had a lot of yards on them in the last game, three catches for 16 yards. Like this this Lions offense in the passing game 
couldn't feed their weapons the way that they wanted to. Like, sure, they got the running game going with a couple of big runs from Gibbs, and even Montgomery had a couple of nice runs in that game, but, like, it was never enough to really break this Bears defense. That got him a couple of touchdowns at the end of the first half, but that was it. I mean, the Lions had the ball seven times in the, in the second half and didn't score on any of them. And this was really solid, consistent play where it's the pass rush helping the coverage and the run defense being able to keep them in passing situations. Like, the defense really is playing like a cohesive unit of guys that were kind of hodgepodge together to start the year, but now they're getting really comfortable. And you pair that with an offense that doesn't need to be a 400-yard passing offense, doesn't need to be high-flying explosive all the time. You just have to do enough. And I certainly feel like they did more than enough in this game. Justin Fields had a couple of really nice downfield throws in the game. Of course, you know, the vertical shot to DJ Moore on the uh, on the hard count free play for the touchdown. That was 38 yards. A couple of nice throws to Cole Komet downfield. And of course, Darnell Mooney made some really nice plays after the catch for some explosive offense for them. Fields had a 19-yard scramble in there. Even DJ Moore's rushing touchdown was a 16-yard run. Like that's that's considered an explosive play. Like it doesn't need to be everything all the time because everything in between that can be, you know, handoff here to Foreman, handoff here to Roshan Johnson, handoff here to, to Khalil Herbert, check down to Komet, right? Check down... Uh, check down to DJ Moore here and make a play after the catch. Like it's not about doing everything all at once. It's about taking your time and then waiting for that opportunity to arise where, okay, boom, free play. I got the deep shot there. Like they didn't draw up deep shot play to DJ Moore here, right? They weren't trying to force that explosive play to happen. Cause sometimes when you really try and force those plays, that's when you make mistakes. That's when you get turnovers, et cetera. But they happen to be ready guys on their feet, right place, right time, hard counts. Oh, they jumped. Run deep, I'll throw it deep to you. Nothing to lose. Take the shot, and then they make the play, right? That's the other difference is, like, early in the season, when those opportunities were there, you know, there's a disconnect, right? Either the pass protection breaks down, or the receiver drops it, or Fields misses him, or Fields doesn't see him at all. It doesn't even throw to him. Like, so often early in the season, like, you could feel like they were close, but they weren't getting those plays. And that's where it feels like a maturation of this Bears team, of a team learning how to win that is growing and, and playing like a football team that that like knows what it's doing instead of still trying to figure out what it's doing. And and to me, that was so important. And then just really offensively staying ahead of the sticks, right? We mentioned it, only four penalties in this game. Not a lot of backwards play. Sure, there's a couple sacks there. There's always going to be a couple sacks in these games. Sure, a couple runs that go for zero yards, one yard, loss of two on the play. And you get second and 12 sometimes. But like we've seen games this season where Second and 12 means third and 10 means fourth and eight means punt. And you just have three and out drives over and over then because you start to stack up these negative plays. But the Bears had drives in this game where they hardly even had third downs on some of those drives, like especially in some of the longer scoring drives later in the game, like in the third quarter there, the first Bears drive was first down, second down, first down, second down, first down, second down, one third down. And then there was a third down at the end when they ended up settling for a field goal. But like they're just marching their way downfield. They're staying ahead of the sticks so that you don't need a big play to keep drives alive, right? The big plays can be touchdowns. They're not just a big play for a first down because that's what the Bears had to rely on so often early the season when the offense was just clinging to anything that they could possibly get. And for Justin to be able to then mitigate some of the mistakes by taking a broken play and adding his legs to it. Like we're really starting to see what this offense with Justin Fields, like conceptually 
is supposed to look like, right? There's room for improvement. This is not like finished product. Everything on offense is perfect. Don't change a thing. But this idea where Justin Fields' legs are the complement. Justin Fields' legs are the bonus, the get out of jail free card, right? It's not your whole strategy, but it's your, oh crap, what we were trying to do didn't work on this play. We need something, make a play, be a playmaker. Boom, scrambles for 19 yards and, and watching him slide just feels so good, right? <laughs> to try and minimize the hits that he's like, he's gotten so much better at sliding and understanding when to just go down and understand that the, you know, the 15 yards you've already gained is plenty. You don't need to fight for those extra four when you're already past the sticks, like knowing when to slide and when not to slide. Oh, so, so relieving to watch that from Justin Fields, but like the legs are no longer like option a plan a go to this because we have to, because we don't have anything else. It's we're trying to do other things, but when those other things aren't working, fields can switch into scramble mode and make a play, but not scrambling too quickly, not over relying on it, but not taking it out of his game and not letting him use his legs either. And like, that was something that was more something, something that I think I got a greater appreciation for too, seeing it live at soldier field for the game, as opposed to on TV, there's something about the speed and the chaos of when you're watching it all unfold in front of you. And you're not hearing commentators that have a stat bug on there and they see the first down line, the last scrimmage line, like, and you can see the depth a little bit more. It's not as condensed or compressed from the television screen. Like, boy, there's a little something, there's a little something extra when you really see Justin make those plays in person as opposed to watching it on your television screen. It, it really is uh, magical and and convincing when you start to think about his, his long-term future with the Chicago Bears. But even in the short term, right? Like this is a really big win for the Bears. And it feels weird for there to be big wins in a season that largely has felt lost or wasted and is at five and eight, well below 500, fourth place in the NFC North. And yet... There's a real tangible hope around this team right now that felt a little bit artificial after the Vikings win, but two in a row, two big division wins, starts to feel like there's some real weight here. We'll kind of take bigger picture what this win means for this Bears team the rest of the season and moving forward next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks the fastest and easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. I had my prize picks entry in for Bears-Lions, got it in before I went to the game. I had Jameer Gibbs to have more than 72.5 rushing and receiving yards, DJ Moore to have more than 5.5 receptions, and Cairo Santos to score more than six total kicking points. I hit all three of those. I won at Prize Picks. As Prize Picks sets a projection for each player, you pick more or less on two to six players, and you can win up to twenty-five times your money. It's a lot of fun, and it gives you something a little extra to be watching for in the game to see if guys are going to hit their Prize Picks projections and that you're going to win big just by your football knowledge. Try it out for yourself. It's a lot of fun. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash/lockedonNFL and use our promo code LockedOnNFL to get a first deposit match up to $100. It's an extra 100 bucks to play with at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL, promo code LockedOnNFL. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This win represented a lot for a Chicago Bears team that hasn't had a lot to hang its hat on for a lot of this season to feel proud of, to, to feel like is tangible progress, right? So much of this year has been 
Matt Eberflus and Luke Etsy and company saying, hey, we're getting closer. Trust us. We're getting there. Like, you're not seeing it in terms of wins and losses. You're not seeing it on the stat sheet all that much. But trust us, we're getting there. We're getting closer. We're making progress. But, like, all that progress doesn't mean much if it's not progressing to wins. But now it's progressing to wins. It's the first back-to-back wins of the Matt Eberflus era. It's the first two divisional wins of the Matt Eberflus era. It's three wins in your last four games. Three and one in your last four games. I mean, that's that's not something we expected to happen this season. And at five and eight, you've got guys like Jalen Johnson still talking playoffs, which they should, right? I mean, I know we kind of did. We did that after the Vikings game. We did it on the podcast here, like Jim Moore, playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. I'm just trying to win a game. And I think they, both of these things can be true at the same time where of course, if you're a player on the Chicago Bears, you have no choice but to believe, yes, we need to win every game the remainder of the season because we believe we can still make the playoffs. Like you're not if you're not gonna go play for the team and say, oh no, we don't we don't believe we can make no, we're not gonna we're not gonna win games. No. We just we just show up and play, but we don't really think we're any good. We don't think we're gonna win, you know. Like obviously you want all of your players to believe that they're gonna win out and somehow make the playoffs. Like that's a good thing. Like you can we can talk about how, you know, you you can, you can feel like it's I don't know, delusional if you, if based on what we've seen for the majority of the season with the team, like playoffs have been really out of the question since week 1. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean obviously not mathematically, but like certainly after 0 and 4, we were like, okay, this ain't this ain't a playoff team, but they're not I mean, they're not mathematically eliminated. They are by definition in the hunt at 5 and 8. And Four games left on the schedule for somewhat fairly beatable teams, question mark. Again, we don't have to go hash back through, but I mean, the Browns look pretty good at eight and five, but I mean, the Detroit Lions look pretty good this season too, but then bad Cardinals team, mediocre Falcons team to be determined how good the Packers are at that stage of the process. Like all four of those games are not out of the question for a Chicago Bears victory and they're playing their best football at the right time of the season. They're showing us, again, growth, progress, maturity, maturation of a team like we've been talking about, but it comes right at this time where a couple of different things, like one, is this is this the type of improvement that is enough to save Matt Eberflus's job? Like that's another thing we talked about like around the bye week. It's like, can Matt Eberflus still save his job? It's like, well... If the Bears start playing a lot better and win out, yeah, he could still save his job. And like so far, they're playing a lot better and they're the two in a row, right? It's not when it's a lot of difference between six in a row and two in a row, but like they are doing the thing. Like they are checking the boxes. Like they're on the beginnings of that very difficult and statistically unlikely, but not impossible path that sits out in front of them. It's also a big win out of a bye week. Where Matt Eberflus and this coaching staff, the Bears team has looked good out of both bye weeks. They lost last year to the Eagles after the bye week, but played really well against a really good Eagles team. We've seen this team respond after every Thursday night game by playing particularly well when they had that mini bye week before the next game. Like that to me shows some amount of value from the coaching staff as they try and justify their 
jobs <laughs> and and sticking around next season. But like over this final four games of the season, and if we count the last two wins, like this final six game stretch of the season, like statistically speaking, very unlikely that they're going to win out and make the playoffs, right? The idea is they would win out and be nine and eight and could get the seventh seed in the playoffs. That's kind of their only path in at this point. Very unlikely. But say, say they lose to the Browns this week. It's kind of what I'll end up predicting, I think, because the Browns are pretty good. But then, you know, they beat the Cardinals, they beat the Falcons, and maybe even beat Green Bay, and you win five out of your last six and six out of your last eight. Like, that's a team that finished 2023 hot. That's a team that finished 2023 on the upswing, right? A team that felt like it was turning a corner and and growing, and that's the kind of thing that you you want to capitalize on going into the offseason, build on that, and then come back the following year, pick back up on that. You know, you, you talk about teams that like finish the season hot and then be able to like be that that be a sign of, you know, a young ascending team ready to take another step forward the following season. Like all of that stuff, whether it's Maddie, whether it saves Matt Eberflus's job or not, it is still meaningful, right? Like this Bears team is not gonna roster-wise undergo a significant overhaul this offseason. There's always going to be changes. And certainly the quarterback position could be one of them. And that's a big change. But like, right, your offensive line is going to have many of the same, at least three, if not four of the same starting. I'm mean, going to go through all the positions, right? But like your secondary is in place, your, your linebacking core is in place, some of your defense, you know what I mean? Like you're going to keep a lot, like a lot of these same players are going to come back next year. And they're going to have built some significant amount of confidence with how well they're playing at the end of this season. When they come back next season, go, man, we were really close last year, weren't we? Guys, let's just take that. And we take these new pieces that Ryan Poles brings in and maybe the new coach, maybe maybe a new quarterback, maybe, but but then take those pieces and really rise from there. And, and that to me is like what this win really starts to signify. Because, okay, they scraped one out against the Minnesota Vikings last week or last game with four field goals, didn't score a touchdown, and Josh Dobbs played like crap. Like, okay, that Vikings team didn't look super great. Like, the Vikings win felt a little bit more like the previous wins that we've seen against the Panthers. Okay, we weren't really that impressed by the Bears. Again, kind of scraping one out against the Carolina Panthers or beating up on a bad Raiders team. But the Lions, even though the Lions have been struggling as of late, they're still 9-4. and four. They're still in first place in the NFC North. They've just beat the New Orleans Saints last week. Like they've only lost before this game. They'd only lost three times. And those losses were to the Seahawks, the Ravens, and then the Packers just a couple weeks ago. Like this Lions team, well, not as dominant as they maybe looked earlier in the season. They're still a pretty good football team. They're a talented football team, a well-respected football team, a team that plays hard, that seems to have decent coaching. You, you can argue about the defensive coordinator. There was a Lions fan walking out of the stadium that was furious leading Soldier Field demanding that they fire Aaron Glenn. And I'm like, dude, you're nine and four. You're nine and four now. Yeah, nine and four, excuse me. And in first place in the NFC North, and you're gonna host you might host a playoff game. Like, you're not firing your defensive coordinator in first place. Like, but like, but like this was this was a win that meant something, right? Because this Lions team, while not playing great, is a good football team. It's the first like good team the Bears beat. And not only like like we saw them, we saw the Bears play well against good teams, but we haven't seen them beat the good team. This was beating the good team. Maybe not great team, but good team. And the Bears played better than them. Not only, it wasn't like a fluky win where they get some, you know, 
ball bounces funny and the Bears get some lucky play. Like the Bears thoroughly beat a good Detroit Lions team. That means more. Like it's the most meaning we've seen from the Bears win this season. And the the most like concrete sign that of confidence in this team. Like this is a real win, right? This is not a Ah, well, you beat the Raiders. Ah, well, you beat the Panthers. Ah, well, you beat the Commanders. Ah, well, you beat the Vikings with their backup quarterback who stunk. No, you beat Detroit Lions. Like, you can't sit there and make a lot of excuses in that one. Sure, I guess the Lions have a couple injuries there. So does everybody. Like, this was a good win. And it feels like the first really good win of the Matt Eberflus era. Right? He's had some wins against bad teams. This was the first good win. And that means a little something extra compared to the other wins that we've seen. That's why this is such a big, important win for him and for what this Bears team does the rest of the season and maybe shapes some of the offseason plans. Certainly, it makes the game against the Browns on Sunday that much bigger. We will do a deep dive and get you all ready for Browns matchup this week. We'll do crossover Thursday with Lockdown Browns. We'll put together a Browns game plan, but we still got to break down this Lions game a little bit more. Having watched it live, I got to go back through the All-22 tape and see what I missed. Haven't been there at the stands. Like, you know, you go to the bathroom sometimes, you miss a couple of plays here and there. It's a little different than watching on your TV and running the commercial break. So we'll, there's still more to break down from this game this week. Still want to try to sort of look big picture at where this team is going, and then we'll turn our attention to the Browns. So a lot to still get to. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Bears on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming back tomorrow for more breakdown of Bears lines. And of course, you got to come back every day for your next opportunity to bear down.